The following is a paid program on this station. Cairo Radio was paid a fee to air the following program. All information discussed on the following program is for general information purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. Prior to acting on any legal matter, you should seek legal advice from a qualified legal attorney who can evaluate your situation and advise you accordingly. Welcome to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. Your Partner in Law is brought to you in part by the law firm Gregorick & Associates PLLC. Charting your course to a secure future. Your Partner in Law starts now. Here's your host, Rick Gregorick. Hey, good morning and welcome to yet another cool, chilly, rainy Seattle Sunday. Yes, but the sun's out today, Rick. That's the difference. The sun is out. So there's always a pro and always a con, right? Always. I'll go with the pro today. That's kind of our life in law, right? There's there's two sides to every story and uh, oftentimes uh, third and fourth stories. That's (laughs) right. Each side. right. So uh, good morning, folks, and uh, welcome to Your Partner in Law. I'm attorney Rick Gregorick from the law firm of Gregorick & Associates. You can find us all over the World Wide Web. Your Partner in Law will find us rjglegal.com will find you. And of course, always mynorthwest.com. They'll track us down too, as well as about 35,000 other ways to find us on the site. So no excuse. And hey, Ted, you know, uh, last week we did an event um, up in Bothell there, and it was the first time we've done our new um, seminar that we're kicking off the year with on retirement planning and the SECURE Act. Um, which deals with all of our retirement accounts, and the, it, it's a game changer. January 1st, everything changed, which is partly why we're doing these classes, because it's so important for folks, A, to have an estate plan, and then B, to make sure that they're maintaining that estate plan over time. And when we have significant changes in law that affect most of us, in fact, everyone with an IRA or a 401k or any type of uh, retirement plan, whether it's a government plan, 403b, 457s, 401ks here on the private sector, and all of your IRAs, traditional and Roth, the rules all just changed. And the implications are going to really, you know, I just caught, take, take this law as another kick the can down the road a little bit that um, the government's wanting to get more tax revenues out of the IRA world faster. But to, you know, come after the current recipients, you know, those of us who are of retirement age, they're pretty much leaving things alone for us. In fact, there's some positive things that they've put in it for the existing contributory um, owners of accounts. It's just that when the accounts are inherited, especially by our children, that they're going to be paying a tax much higher than before. And so we had this class last week, and um, boy, the feedback from the folks there was really, really great. And of course, like most of our events, uh, we had clients there. We have folks that are prospective clients and then folks that have never come before. And it was was another sellout class. We do these classes such that they're modest in size, 25 to 50 people, so you don't get overwhelmed, so to speak. We're not selling you anything. And there's no sales. Uh, The classes, these are free. Free. Um, I don't do a lot of free classes just because gee, I'm going to let a, everybody in on a secret. Sometimes people sign up for a free event and then blow it off. Yeah. So sometimes if there's a nominal fee, you show up. A little skin so, in the game. A little skin in the game helps. So uh, that's just the uh, reality of life. Okay. And, uh, of course, no reason to keep that from you. You're smart, folks. We are um, going to be doing the event. Uh, we've got two dates coming up here in a couple of weeks. We've got February 8th. Um, that's a Saturday morning. Last one was on a Thursday evening. So this next one, Saturday morning in Bellevue. Uh, 10 a.m., Retirement Planning in the SECURE Act. The residents in there off the freeway, pretty easy to get to. Yeah, great. Free parking, all that fun stuff. And then we're doing an evening event um, next week also, and that's going to be on Thursday the 13th. And that's in Bellevue as well, and that's going to be either 6.37 in the evening. And uh, you can sign up for either event at yourpartnerinlaw.com, yourpartnerinlaw.com or rjglegal.com, and just click on events, and uh, 
arrow on down to there the one go. you want to get and grab it. These are free. They do sell out. So uh, make sure you get your tickets now. You do need your tickets for admission. And uh, we're going to be doing the retirement planning and secure act. This is going to integrate your basic estate and elder law planning. And then we're going to go into a pretty reasonable depth into the new secure act and crucial items and things that you need to consider because we we need to now adjust our thinking in many cases That's on right. how we're going to manage these events. So yeah, it was uh, pretty obvious from the turnout, Rick, that the, there's a lot of folks that have retirement accounts to begin with and a lot of people that are really concerned about how they're going to pass those on to their family. So I think based on the turnout we had in Bothell, there's a great deal of interest in the topic. It's kind of the buzzword in our profession right now anyway, the SECURE Act and a lot of lawyers in our business scrambling to figure it out and to advise clients properly about what to do because um, it used to be that most people's primary asset was their home and nowadays these retirement assets uh, far far eclipse uh, home in terms of the size of their estates. So. You know it really does and you know so most folks I mean some of the the things that we want to you know plan for with special care is very often those assets are most meaningful to us and like you said historically that's been our home people are still very concerned on planning for their home if they're married making sure their spouse can stay in place in the home if that's what everyone desires and then passing that home on to children or grandchildren has always been a key focus of estate planning but this last decade with the run-up in the stock market um, and, you know, people being able to build up very large 401ks and then roll them into IRAs. I mean, we're looking at, you know, in our market here, Ted, and you've been seeing them same as I have. I mean, we're getting, you know, engineers and other folks from Boeing coming in and, you know, they've got their house, they've got half a million dollars in equity there, and they've got one to three million dollars sitting inside there. Or, or, or more, but I'm saying, you know, this is yeah, I hate routinely. to use the term rank and file. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, at a large degree, you know, one to three million dollar IRAs in your VIP plans. And folks, that amount of money, first off, it most likely puts you into an estate tax situation. And that can have really severe income tax ramifications if you bulk of your cash and your liquidity is in your retirement account. So we're going to go over all that stuff at the Secure Act briefing, um, retirement planning, and the Secure Act February eighth. That's Saturday coming up at ten in the morning. It's a quick two-hour class. I promise you'll uh, not have to buy anything there. And uh, we won't ask you to. <laughs> and then on Thursday, February 13th, we've got the evening event, same event. You only need to sign up for one. And uh, we really hope you come on out there and uh, join us. We always have a lot of fun. I enjoy meeting you folks. And uh, like I said, Ted's going to be talking about the interface of the elder law arena here. I'll cover your basic estate planning and kind of de debunk a few of the common myths we have. And then we're going to spend a good hour or so on the SECURE Act, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, the reality, but most important in all three areas, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Are you going to take advantage of it? So yourpartnerinlaw.com, get your tickets today. So, Ted, I wanted to talk a little bit about the back end of estate planning today. Okay. And, of course, that back end is what happens when someone dies. And... The continued mythology, I guess, and misunderstanding of what happens when a person dies is still a bit befuddling because it's some of the oldest laws on our books, if not the oldest, and the roots of probate uh, go all the way back to the ancient Romans. That's where our terms come up with testatrix, the testator came up with, you know, a lot of these are... A lot of Latin terms. Latin and old Roman terms. That, yeah. and. Oh, in Rome, they are, you know, they had basically probate processes, and it's rather fascinating. But really, folks, what you want to know about probate is that it is really, it's the court's way, the state's way, the government's way of overseeing the transfer of your assets through a will. And now, in a will... Or otherwise, if you or don't otherwise, have a will. Uh, right. And a will is... You know, it's a simple document in a way, but yet in other ways, it's terribly complex. One of the complex areas is the actual, the structure of the will. The will has to have various components in it and address certain things. But then, Ted, it has to be 
executed properly. And, and a will, if it's not executed properly or lacks any of the formalities of execution, the court's rather harsh because they simply reject the will. So a will has to be proper and it has to be signed properly. And, and Ted, on the signing thing's a little bit of a um, kind of a catch-22 for folks. Can well, you explain it, that it, a little bit? It can be because in most states, including this state, wills need to be witnessed, not notarized. And some people will do a will online or something like that and take it to a notary and think that it's properly executed. Well, we see a lot of these documents that are not properly executed, that are only notarized with no witness. Or the, or the witness attestation is improper in some manner, or they didn't see the testator actually sign the will in front of them. So there's a number of issues that, that uh, go and surround execution of wills, and the court uh, looks at those issues pretty carefully when they admit a will to probate. All those things are scrutinized. Yeah, one of the interesting things, folks, is the state does not require your will to be what we call attested to. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But what it does require is that your will be witnessed by two independent people. In other words, people that are not involved in your estate or your family or anyone who might be an heir or beneficiary. And so those people would sign your will as a witness. That may, on its face now, you may have a valid will. However, your will now gets filed with the court upon your death, and it's merely been witnessed. Ted, what's the catch-22? Well, the catch-22, if it's simply witness, is that we need to produce the witnesses to say that they saw you sign your will. So that's what we were talking about earlier. So you mean if I'm in the memory unit and I can't quite remember you, but I was the signatory, what happens yeah, guess then? Guess what? Now you're back to having no will at all because it's improperly witnessed again. So, Or you can't produce somebody to prove it up. Now, there are various processes by which sometimes you can get these things worked out. But generally speaking, that's a fatal error, and you're right back into what we call the intestacy camp. And that's hey, We're going to pick this up right on the other side of break because yeah, this is a great topic, folks, because so many wills fall prey to being disqualified at the time you really need them qualified. Your Partner-in-Law, we're going to be right back. Yourpartnerinlaw.com. Get your seminar class tickets today. We'll be right back. My dad would always say the three worst words in the English language were shoulda, coulda, and woulda. So many people with retirement right around the corner or in the middle of it have the shoulda, coulda, wouldas facing them. They're not proactive. You didn't take care of the will. You didn't take care of the trust. They didn't do what was needed to do when it came to real estate and taxes. So right now, let's avoid the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and call Rick Gregorick. Rick Gregorick is my estate planner. I sat down with Rick, explained my situation. He walked me through all the different variables, whether it was a trust or a charitable trust, real estate or taxes. It is so complicated. You've got to rely on an expert like Rick, who is so kind and knowledgeable about all of it. So be proactive. Take control of your life now. You can schedule a complimentary consultation at yourpartnerinlaw.com. You can also listen to Rick's show, Your Partner in Law, every Sunday morning at 9 on Cairo and KTTH. Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick, my estate planner, yourpartnerinlaw.com. One of the biggest mistakes you can make heading into retirement is not planning for the high costs of an extended health care situation. A lot of people think, I got enough money saved, and then they watch everything they've worked hard for get whittled down to nothing from the ongoing costs of a long-term care situation. Do not make that mistake. By putting a long-term care plan in place, you guarantee yourself a source of funds to pay for care when needed, and you also know you won't become a burden on your family. Do what my wife and I did. Go learn about all the new long-term care plans offered by 525 Advisors. These new plans protect your savings, protect your family, and pay your estate back if you never use them. Learn more by attending one of the upcoming classes taught by Brian Ott. He's the host of Long-Term Care Radio right here on Cairo. Brian has a couple long Term care planning classes coming up February 8th and the 21st. Seating will be limited for these, so sign up today at 525longtermcare.com. The class is free, and you'll get a copy of Brian's great book, too. Go to 525longtermcare.com. The SECURE Act became law January 1st, and if you have almost any kind of retirement plan or profit sharing plan, you and your beneficiaries will be impacted. John Curley here now for some good news. I'm here with my attorney, Rick Gregorick. You're going to be teaching a couple of free classes on February 8th and the 13th. To give the people the facts they need. John, this new law affects everyone. The Safe Harbor Conduit Trusts are a disaster. There's what we call a spousal rollover trap. The elimination of the IRA stretch-out will have a major impact on retirement planning and much higher taxes for your beneficiaries. 
I'll show people how to avoid the critical errors in planning due to the brand new SECURE Act. At the class, we'll also be covering all of your estate and elder law planning to help you protect yourself, your family, your business, and your hard-earned assets. Register now for Rick's free class on February 8th or the 13th. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. Last month's class filled up fast, so register now. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. Well, that'll wake you up. Wow. Welcome it's like back. I plugged myself in or something. Welcome back to your partner in law. I am attorney Rick Gregorick, and I'm here this morning uh, with the ever effervescent uh, Ted Hansen. Wow. Ted, you, Ted, you've got a guest in effervescent. the studio. Effervescent. You've got a guest in the studio. I feel like I'm buzzing. I do have a guest in the studio. Who do we have? I have my lovely daughter, Abigail, in here. She's uh, very reluctant to go on and say anything, but I won't make her do that today, but I'm happy to have you here. Well, we're all happy to have you. And her oh, here. by the way, Abigail is 20 years old, and Abigail has an estate plan for all you young people out there. Abigail actually has a properly executed will, a properly executed power of attorney for finances, a properly executed power of attorney for health care, a HIPAA release, a living will, and an anatomical gifting form, all at the ripe age of 20. Why did you wait until she was 20? She'd added it at actually, 18. Actually, we had it done at 19. Uh, uh, yeah, right. yeah, actually, we it, had it done at 19. You know, folks, it, it really is an important thing um, to think about your children as they leave the nest, and they're 18, and they're either off to the working world yeah. or off to the college or trade school world. Yep. Um, many folks are leaving the state for their education or to start their life, and uh, it's really heartbreaking when something occurs to that child. Uh, most typically, we're talking car accidents, sporting injuries, things of that nature, you know, risk injuries from, you know, that's, you know, yep. the, that's what happens when we're young and because we're involved in lots of fun things. And her and, mother and I were, were really adamant about the fact that she's going to school in central Washington. And if something happened to her over there, we want to be able to react to it. And without having a HIPAA release or a, a medical durable power of attorney that allows you to contact the doctors, Guess what? They're going to tell you that they may have your daughter there, but they're not going to tell any. They're not going to tell you any of the details. They're not going to give you any medical information. So it's really important that people that have children that go to school out of state or or away from home a, a good distance that they have these things in place for them. Yeah, it, there really is no substitute. I've often come to the point of saying, folks, this is just being responsible yeah. with the corollary that it's irresponsible not to do these yeah. things, yeah. Uh, just like young parents with uh, children. I can't tell you how many of them I talk to, and virtually, I mean, it's a rare young person that does have an estate plan and addresses, you know, their children's needs and what might happen if. Um, you know, Ted, I believe there are more children who are, are who are orphaned as a result of their parents' disability than death. Yeah, that's, and that's because true. disability is very high, and you know, I talk to so many folks, they go, "Well, that's okay. My sister will take care of them." Well. The problem is sister's not going to have any legal authority to do so, and so that's going to fail there. And sister may or may not be first or second in the line of succession. There is a line of succession um, by the state, yep. and oftentimes the result is the exact opposite of what you may yeah, have. Unfortunately, that's true. I mean, a lot of times these uh, parents that are estranged from their children find themselves back in the parental you know, role, if you will, because that that's the court's preference is the biological parent of the child. Uh, it, be it, they ever so unfit sometimes, right? So. Well, fitness is a, is a tough one. I mean, the qualifications to be a parent, if you're just outside the legal system, you're just a regular, you know, Jack and Jill on the road or out in the street, um, the requirements to be a parent are really kind of biological. Um, at the state level, if the state is reviewing someone to be a guardian of a child, I mean, pretty much if you're not a felon and haven't been convicted of a crime of moral turpitude, you're most likely qualified. Yeah, and then even sometimes those people get to be parents. And so it's, uh, it's a very low standard. Um, I've often joked that perhaps there should be um, a test when you get a marriage license or a test for uh, becoming a parent. <laughs> I don't know that that would float too well. I don't think many people pass. For it's interesting for party talk. <laughs> what if? Yeah. But um, it is a serious thing. And, you know, I told the story the other night that uh, when my daughter was off away at Washington State, there were a number of uh, very frightening events that had occurred, but probably the most frightening was 
Everyone remembers there was a Cadillac that was struck by, I believe it was a Bronco over 100 miles an hour, um, returning from Moscow, Idaho, back to Pullman in Washington. And the five out of the six kids in the um, Cadillac were um, all killed from this oncoming high-speed drunk driver and who was also another student. And um, it was a tragic issue. What brought this really home for me and my daughter was the night before that accident. My daughter was in that car on that exact same road coming back to school. She was supposed to have been in that car that night. And she said, for some reason, I just felt I needed to study that night and didn't go. So folks, things can happen that can you know be very, very frightening. And not having being prepared for our young children is really... Boy, I'll tell you, that's a tough one. When you call that hospital, like you said, Ted, they they may acknowledge that your child is there. They may not. You don't know for sure, but they're in all likelihood they will not be able to discuss their medical yeah. condition with you, or that's give you, or you won't have any ability to make medical decisions. And it, in a worst worst case scenario, this could end up being a court action while your child is sitting there in the emergency room or in the intensive care unit. Not a time to be doing this. So a little bit of pre-planning. Got a delightful um, couple in a few weeks ago, and as a gift to their child, uh, they're gifting an estate plan to their kids. And I thought, well, that's very heartwarming and uh, great, and it was lovely. Got a couple of those. And it was lovely to talk to the young lady about her estate plan. And, you know, obviously she didn't have a lot of money. But then when we talked about things that were important to her, what would happen if she was to become ill or sick or injured? Um, I think she got it. I don't think uh, young people are stupid by any stretch of the imagination. It's just when you're exposed to these things and they're explained to you, people go, well, duh, need to have that. Hey, folks, we're going to be back after this break, and we're going to dig into probate a little bit more. Is it really the boogeyman we think it is? We'll find out. Your partner-in-law will be right back. The SECURE Act became law January 1st, and if you have almost any kind of retirement plan or profit-sharing plan, you and your beneficiaries will be impacted. John Curley here now for some good news. I'm here with my attorney, Rick Gregorick. You're going to be teaching a couple of free classes on February 8th and the 13th to give the people the facts they need. John, this new law affects everyone. The Safe Harbor Conduit Trusts are a disaster. There's what we call a spousal rollover trap. The elimination of the IRA stretch-out will have a major impact on retirement planning and much higher taxes for your beneficiaries. I'll show people how to avoid the critical errors in planning due to the brand-new SECURE Act. At the class, we'll also be covering all of your estate and elder law planning to help you protect yourself, your family, your business, and your hard-earned assets. Register now for Rick's free class on February 8th or the 13th. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. Last month's class filled up fast, so register now. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. One of the biggest mistakes you can make heading into retirement is not planning for the high costs of an extended health care situation. A lot of people think, I got enough money saved, and then they watch everything they've worked hard for get whittled down to nothing from the ongoing costs of a long-term care situation. Do not make that mistake. By putting a long-term care plan in place, you guarantee yourself a source of funds to pay for care when needed, and you also know you won't become a burden on your family. Do what my wife and I did. Go learn about all the new long-term care plans offered by 525 Advisors. These new plans protect your savings, protect your family, and pay your estate back if you never use them. Learn more by attending one of the upcoming classes taught by Brian Ott. He's the host of Long-Term Care Radio right here on Cairo. Brian has a couple long-term care planning classes coming up February 8th and the 21st. Seating will be limited for these, so sign up today at 525longtermcare.com. The class is free, and you'll get a copy of Brian's great book, too. Go to 525longtermcare.com. I love it. I guess if I turn my mic on, things will work better. That's always good. Hey, folks, we're uh, you know talking a little bit about the you know state and elder law planning, but we're kind of talking about the after death part, the probate part, and the importance of that. And really, probate I think gets vilified um, a lot. Certain areas in the country, uh, California might come to mind, New York, and some of those types of states. Their probate processes, because of their populations and the 
I'll say the courts are way overburdened. They have implemented a statutory scheme uh, that is just simply a nightmare to uh, go through. Um, It's very expensive and takes a great deal of time in those jurisdictions. Now, Washington, we're not there yet. I've watched over the last 20 years, and it really kind of goes along with our population increase and then constant pressure on the cost of the judicial system. But I've seen us merging, you know, additional statutes, more stuff, kind of layering on things to uh, get into that. So probate isn't getting easier or less complex. But I will say Washington probate as the states go across, if we're going to compare and contrast them, our probate process not so bad. Not so bad. Is not right. so bad. And, and certainly not as time-consuming. Uh, having done probate work in the state of California, I can tell you, folks, <laughs> that's a process that you absolutely want to avoid in that state because not only does it take a long time to get anything done down there, but California has a statutory fee schedule. So rather than have an attorney charge hourly for the work, which generally turns out to be cheaper in the long run, California has this tiered system by which the attorney gets paid a certain percentage of the gross value of the estate and a simple house there, and I'm talking simple, meaning most people's homes are half a million dollars or greater, will cost you somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty, twenty-five thousand $25,000 to probate that house. So that's why California in particular, a lot of living trust work and things like that to avoid that probate process. So, uh, And we do the same here. We, we to, to the extent that you want to plan that way, we can advise you about how to do that too. Yeah, what's very interesting in California, as Ted was saying, that the legislature has been obviously very kind to the uh, probate attorneys down there. Um, Their fees are set by a statute. Now, attorneys could deviate from that on the downward side, but why would you do that? Um, It's quite lucrative there. I always tell people your cost here on an equivalent case that doesn't go to litigation or something like that um, we would usually expect fees to be half of what they might be in oh, California or, or, or less, yeah, or depending less. on what the case may be. Yeah. Um, now, Ted, one of the things that you know I talk about a lot about probate is not the process itself, but the fact that it is an open process in court. In other words, you know, and we're not allowed to seal records in probate anymore other than extraordinary circumstances for some reasons. But so your finances, you know, who your um, children are, their, you know, what money they're getting, when they're getting it, how they're getting it, that's all going to be known. And this information by and large is available on the um, internet, online. All of our court systems are open, which is a good thing. But do you want to subject your personal life to it when you have alternatives? Because there are a number of alternatives because... One of the things about probate is it's only subject to certain assets you own in your own name. You know, some of the most notable exceptions would be your retirement funds, folks. You do a proper... Assuming you have a beneficiary on that. You have a proper beneficiary designation that wouldn't be the estate. Now, I want to talk about this because it happens more often than it should. If you have a retirement account, whether it be an IRA or a 401k or whatever and you fail to name a beneficiary, or you were cute, or so you thought, and wrote the word, my estate, I see this every now and then, Mm -hmm. Um, boy, that's just a terrible thing because it may now, it'll now subject those assets to probate. That's right. And for your retirement assets, it would also subject those funds uh, to be available to creditors because the estate is not a bona fide beneficiary of your retirement plan. And guess what? All the taxes will be due. It won't be able to be transferred on. So um, please don't make that mistake. It's harsh. It's not fixable. And the money comes out in five years. The person who could fix it is dead. And the money comes out in five years too, right? And it comes out in five years what's left of it. That's right. (laughs) That's Yeah. So so probate at its core, Rick, is just the transfer of wealth essentially, right? So that's what we're talking about. And and you can have a probate that's will-driven, and you can have a probate that's intestate-driven. And intestate simply means you don't have a, a will in place when you pass away. And the state has a plan for how to distribute your assets if you don't have it. Most of you, I will submit, will not like that plan. So uh, that's why a will is is the proper way to do it if you're planning by will versus planning Well, by if trust. you think about it, the laws of intestacy and the laws of descent that are um, in, you know, part of those statutes – um, they really come right back to the 
you know, good old England, common yep. law, um, back all the yep. way to King Henry VIII. Right. And so if you've watched any of the King Henry VIII's movies, you know that his systems were rather harsh. They favored the king. And, and male heirs. And probate, our modern probate statutes arose during his era predominantly, uh, not exclusively, but predominantly. So we oftentimes refer to probate as the king's law and yep. that. Now, Ted, there are, um, there are a, a, a number of ways that people can own assets and the ownership and the beneficiary designations um, will make those assets not subject to probate. Now, many times people go, hoo-hoo, that's a good thing. Well, it's a good thing if your estate's very small or modest or you don't have children who might not get along really well. Um, there's all these or exceptions. You know, for very modest estates, a small estate affidavit, if it's less than $100,000, you know, insurance policies, 401Ks, they go by beneficiary designations. But any account can do that. And when we get back from this break, I want to talk about some of the problems that we encounter with uh, beneficiary designations as our estate planning uh, form. So, folks, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Uh, don't forget, yourpartnerinlaw.com. Get your tickets for retirement planning and the SECURE Act coming up is uh, February 8th and 13th. We'll be right back. Retirement. What does it mean to you? Has it changed as a result of today's economy? Are you worried about your future? Could there be stormy seas ahead? Hi, this is Rick Gregrick, founder of Gregrick & Associates. We're a dedicated team of legal and tax professionals that can help you navigate your course for a secure future. Whether you're just thinking about your retirement or you're well into your retirement years, whether you're single, married, or involved in a domestic partnership, we can help you create your necessary legal and tax planning. I am so glad I found one firm that can help me with all my legal and tax needs. Call today for your free consultation, 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. You can also sign up for a partner-in-law event. Just go to yourpartnerinlaw.com and find the elder law or estate planning course that's best for you. You can register for both events by going to yourpartnerinlaw.com, yourpartnerinlaw.com. One of the biggest mistakes you can make heading into retirement is not planning for the high costs of an extended health care situation. A lot of people think, ah, I got enough money saved, and then they watch everything they've worked hard for get whittled down to nothing from the ongoing costs of a long-term care situation. Do not make that mistake. By putting a long-term care plan in place, you guarantee yourself a source of funds to pay for care when needed, and you also know you won't become a burden on your family. Do what my wife and I did. Go learn about all the new long-term care plans offered by 525 Advisors. These new plans protect your savings, protect your family, and pay your estate back if you never use them. Learn more by attending one of the upcoming classes taught by Brian Ott. He's the host of Long-Term Care Radio right here on Cairo. Brian has a couple long-term care planning classes coming up February 8th and the 21st. Seating will be limited for these, so sign up today at 525longtermcare.com. The class is free, and you'll get a copy of Brian's great book, too. Go to 525longtermcare.com. The Secure Act became law January 1st, and if you have almost any kind of retirement plan or profit-sharing plan, you and your beneficiaries will be impacted. John Curley here now for some good news. I'm here with my attorney, Rick Gregorick. You're going to be teaching a couple of free classes on February 8th and the 13th to give the people the facts they need. John, this new law affects everyone. The Safe Harbor Conduit Trust are a disaster. There's what we call a spousal rollover trap. The elimination of the IRA stretch-out will have a major impact on retirement planning and much higher taxes for your beneficiaries. I'll show people how to avoid the critical errors in planning due to the brand-new SECURE Act. At the class, we'll also be covering all of your estate and elder law planning to help you protect yourself, your family, your business, and your hard-earned assets. Register now for Rick's free class on February 8th or the 13th. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. Last month's class filled up fast, so register now. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. Ah, uh, if only you had video in here right now. Ted's out here right. dancing on we top have of the, the table. Wide webcam, I could just do it. There you like go. That. It's, it's it's off. See, it's off. Oh, right. It is off, right? I don't know. Okay, hey folks, we're talking about you know kind of issues around the concept of probate. 
which is the court's supervision and validation of your will, confirmation of your executors, and then um, making sure that you're doing the right things. A couple of challenges uh, the, when you get into the will. The first thing is, will the court accept it? Uh, in the beginning of the show, we talked a little bit about, well, it has to be not only signed properly, has to have all the right elements of a will, but then it has to be witnessed by two independent witnesses. Now, if your will is merely witnessed, folks, and you die, those witnesses are going to have to come forward and testify, either on paper or through a declaration or maybe actually go into court yep. and attest to, a swear, affirm under penalty of perjury that they witnessed you signing your will, that in, you know, they saw you in the presence and all this kind of stuff. And what if that witness doesn't remember you? Or what if that witness is in a memory unit? What if that witness is deceased? And your will only had two witnesses and one of them's gone. What happens, Ted? Well, you have no will to probate. So this is well, that we, sounds unfair. what you we mean... started to talk about earlier, and this is this issue of attestation, right? So we have this ability to make these documents, what we call self-proving documents, and the manner by which you do that is this witnessed attestation, which essentially is the witnesses giving information to a notary who then again notarizes the document and attest to the people and where they are and who they were, that they did these various things in the order that's required by the statute, and voila, you have an admittable will. So, you know, folks, this comes up all the time. I remember we had a couple of cases last year that um, were kind of notable because they were totally unrelated cases, and yet we had two cases come in not too far apart from each other, and the wills were of 1960 vintage. Mm -hmm. um, that's a long time ago to have a will, folks. And they'd never been updated. So if you can just sit here and imagine you're sitting here in 2019 and the will was created in 1962. And if you can imagine all the water under the bridge between 1962 and 2019, all the changes in circumstances in that particular family and circle, and then all the changes in law, there was just nothing relevant about this will whatsoever. Yep. And it, in, a, in a way... The fact that it had been witnessed and the witnesses were long deceased by now, the fact that the will actually got kicked may have been a blessing in disguise. Yeah, Nobody be. in the will was still alive. We were down three generations or you know several generations. It was just a mess. Yeah, I see this a lot, you know, and, and, and I love this one. They come in, well, we did this before we even had children. Well, how old are your children now? Oh, they're 35 and 40. We get this all the time. We've got grandchildren. Like, did it not occur to you that maybe you need to make some changes here? So, right. you know, we, we, we laugh, but it's it's really sad and it's unfortunate because it sure can be. when people yeah. have a really out-of-date estate plan, it's really unfortunate because so many of you think, I did it. I did my estate plan. Woohoo! I'm done. Folks. When you're done with an estate plan is when it's finally, formally adjudicated and passed on to your beneficiaries. Then your estate's done. Until then, you got work to do. Yep. I just think it's irresponsible to not address these issues, um, and it's also somewhat selfish yeah. that um, the, the knowledge that we have today on the reality of disability on the you know high percentage that so many of us are going to be afflicted with these things and not to address these things through powers of attorney healthcare directives advanced directives living wills your last will and testament how about guardianship provisions for your children how about setting up trust for your children and grandchildren you said education's a priority well have you prioritized that if you're not around if something happens to you through either disability or death, what happens? And we see so many families really just torn apart by these types of events. The emotions are overwhelming. The financial constraints can be, you know, just simply devastating. Absolutely. And then we get into the other end of the spectrum where the lack of planning results in grossly unnecessary taxes. Yeah. And, and unintended consequences the, many times, you know. And so it's something we really want to focus on, folks. And uh, that's one of the reasons we do so many of our educational classes is to just debunk some of the mythology. Um, estate planning is not cheap to do it properly. Um, I don't believe there's any online do-it-yourself yeah, type but, things. But not doing it properly is far more expensive. Uh, frankly, than, than paying to have it done originally, right? Yeah, those, I mean, there's no question about it. It's yeah. just uh, it, the the benefits are amazing, but the cre that the the benefits of learning 
in a non-threatening environment, uh, no sales pitch, uh, uh, nothing like that. Come in and get the education. That's why we do our classes, Absolutely. and we do got... these consultations for free, and we mean that, you know. And, and 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 the thing that always gets me, Rick, is when we sit down with people and they come in for a will, they think that's what they want, and we get to talking about this. And there's so many other aspects that they haven't considered. And when the consultation's over, they look at me and go, "Wow, there's a lot more to this than I thought." Well, and... that's it, because most of us, when we do an estate plan and we sit down and we review the options that we have and the opportunities they present, and we look at the cost and the benefit, rarely is an estate plan one thing. It's usually a combination of strategies that we may want to use to optimize our taxes, you know, uh, post, both pre- and post-death asset protection. Um, there's just a host of things to look at. And when we actually sit down and look at these and we find the different planning characteristics, say, what are you going to do with your retirement accounts, your IRAs, and those going to your children? How are those going to be equal, the same, or different than the assets they're getting out of your other part of your estate that's not your retirement plans? And these are decisions that are really tough for so many people to make because they're unaware that they need to make these that's decisions. Right. Yeah. And so that's what we want to do is help you with your education and your learning. That's why we're doing retirement planning and the SECURE Act. And uh, I just noticed the ticket sales and the meter's running here, folks. So uh, get your tickets. Uh, don't delay. Get them today at yourpartnerinlaw.com or rjglegal.com. Click on events. And they're coming up in February 8th on a Saturday and the following Thursday, February 13th. Both in Bellevue, both free, and both will sell out. So get your tickets today. We'll be right back. Sometimes big events in your life all of a sudden cause you to wake up and realize you should start planning for the future. I lost my dad a little over a year ago to cancer, and I remember thinking to myself, I should probably have a will or trust. So I called Rick Gregorick. Now, the reason I called Rick Gregorick is because I've been listening to him on Cairo Radio on Sunday mornings, and the guy is an absolute expert. I sat down with him. I explained my situation. He walked me through all the different variables, whether it was a trust or charitable trust, real estate, taxes. It was so complicated. I was so glad I had Rick right there to walk me through the whole process. So be proactive. Take control of your life right now. Go meet with Rick Gregorick and schedule a complimentary consultation at yourpartnerinlaw.com. You can also listen to Rick's show like I do, Your Partner in Law, every Sunday morning at 9 on Cairo and KTTH. Schedule a meeting with my estate planner, Rick Gregorick, at yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Brian Ott from 525 Advisors and host of Long-Term Care Radio. And Brian, we have another great question from a listener. Do I have to move into a nursing home to use my long-term care insurance? You know, Dory, actually most people start their long-term care journey in their home, and today's plans will pay for that care in your home. The idea of having a long-term care insurance plan is to be able to receive the care you need in the location of your choosing. Plans today are comprehensive, which means not only do they pay for care at home, they'll also pay for care in an assisted living facility, an adult day care, even a nursing home. By having a plan, you decide where you get to receive care. If you have a question for me, send it to me at 525longtermcare.com. You can also learn about new programs that pay you back if you never use your plan, and you can sign up for one of my free upcoming classes. Dude, my wife and I did. Sign up for one of Brian's upcoming classes. Classes are free, and you'll even get a copy of Brian's book, which has a ton of great info. Seating's limited, so sign up today at 525longtermcare.com. The SECURE Act became law January 1st, and if you have almost any kind of retirement plan or profit-sharing plan, you and your beneficiaries will be impacted. John Curley here now for some good news. I'm here with my attorney, Rick Gregorick. You're going to be teaching a couple of free classes on February 8th and the 13th to give the people the facts they need. John, this new law affects everyone. The Safe Harbor Conduit Trusts are a disaster. There's what we call a spousal rollover trap. The elimination of the IRA stretch-out will have a major impact on retirement planning and much higher taxes for your beneficiaries. I'll show people how to avoid the critical errors in planning due to the brand-new SECURE Act. At the class, we'll also be covering all of your estate and elder law planning to help you protect yourself, your family, your business, and your hard-earned assets. Register now for Rick's free class on February 8th or the 13th. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. Last month's class filled up fast, so register now. Go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com.
You like that. There we go. All righty. Hey, folks, we're talking probate today a little bit and the good, the bad, the ugly, the boogeyman. Um, you know, for folks that have very small estates under 100000 um, you may be able to get away with a small estate affidavit. Now, I don't want you relying on that because there are many people out there, and by people I mean institutions like big banks, and a lot of them give you an awful lot of grief about using a small estate affidavit who had this case come in last week. And big bank uh, said, no, we need letters testamentary. Well, folks, you can only get those if you, A, open a probate, and B, have an executor, a personal representative, appointed by the court. So if you don't have that document, that letter's testamentary, many institutions give you a great deal of grief, even though our statutes are very clear that a small estate affidavit should suffice. Um, very often it doesn't. Just because it's the law doesn't mean it's actually oh, yeah. going and to we, work. We run into this all the time, particularly with financial institutions in other states. We run into this quite a bit where they just simply choose not to recognize it, and then you're stuck having to open a probate that you otherwise could have avoided just because they simply refuse based on their policy that they don't want to accept it. So. That goes on a lot out there, and we see this a lot, and we have to fix it at some level, right? So. It really is uh, interesting. There's another, you know, what I call modified probate. It's called an adjudication proceeding, and it's with a will annexed, but there is no executor appointed. It's where these are modest estates. They're um, single beneficiary types of states and things like that. And so it's another process to help simplify yeah. and keep, you know, non-complex cases where there's not, you know, a whole bunch of beneficiaries um, to be able to do that without going through the added cost of a full probate. Yeah. Um, we do a fair number of these at the office and help people with them. But again, there, because it's not a full probate, right. it no can letters. come right back. Although we That's do right. have some court documents and a judge's order and adjudication that we don't have in the small estate. Right. So then when we move into the actual probate process and your will gets submitted to court, now here's where it comes down to depending on the terms and conditions you have put in your wills, a court, if you've requested it, may, at their discretion, issue what we call non-intervention powers. Ted, those are pretty cool powers. What are they entitled to non-intervention, do? Yeah, non-intervention powers essentially allow the personal representative, who's the person that administers the estate, to do what they need to do to administer the estate without the court looking over their shoulder every time they do something. So when you don't have non-intervention powers, the court is going to look at what you do. If you sell a house, you'll need court approval to sell that house. You'll need court approval to distribute. You'll need court approval of the inventory and appraisement. And otherwise, you'll have people looking over your shoulder, which, by the way, coupled with another issue that people need to have in a will is a no-bond provision, uh, which doesn't require your personal representative to post a bond. Now, we have had situations, particularly in intestacy, where bonds are required, and bonds typically are uh, a percentage of the gross value of the state, and some PRs are not bondable. So that creates a problem, too, sometimes. Right? Yeah, and just to clarify a little bit, folks, a bond is basically a security instrument that you can get from an insurance company, and it's going to be a money amount set by the court. So let's say they set a million-dollar bond. Um, that's going to cost you about $10,000. Yep. And so there's the cost that the seeds estate pays it, way. and it's non-refundable right. from the bond company. You're paying for the bond. And then, you know, the the person receiving the bond has to have a good credit rating. That's right. And they have to have sufficient assets to satisfy the bond. So if you've got a million-dollar bond being imposed upon you, in order for you to qualify that, you're going to have assets that are going to be able to satisfy that bond because the purpose of the bond is to say, what if the executor, the personal representative, runs off with the money exactly. or distributes it improperly? The bond is protecting the beneficiary. So the bond company would go ahead and take care of the beneficiary, and then they're going to turn around and sue the executor and try to recover the assets that were pledged as part of the bond. Uh, not a pretty process to no, go through. Not, not, yeah. So, But many of your children or grandchildren or other people that might be administering your estate very often do not have sufficient assets to qualify for bond. And many folks in that case are going to have to turn to professional or corporate um, executors to step in that right. um, either can or are not required 
to have a bond. Yeah, thereby pushing your cost up again, right? So these are these are kind of basic fundamental items that we put in all of the wills, non-intervention power, no bonding. And generally speaking, the court goes along with that as long as the court's satisfied that it was executed properly once again. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about that does come up, and especially for folks who die younger or people who die a very advanced age, and this is when the decedent is insolvent. They have no money or Maybe they're significantly in debt. Every now and then I have a, you know, a par- parent or a child or somebody calling up quite concerned, thinking that they would be responsible for the decedent's debts. Now, unless you're a spouse. Or in Pennsylvania. <laughs> or in uh, one of the uh, uh, filial states, um, you're not going to be responsible for the debts of your parents, so to speak. Right. Um, as Ted was just saying, though, there are a number of states, I think it's close to 18, 17, 18 states, that have these old, old puritanical laws called the filial laws. Exactly and those laws, in essence, say that the child is responsible for the debts of the parent. Abigail, can you imagine? Dad dies. <laughs> he yeah. owes a half a million dollars, and his estate doesn't have enough money to pay for it. And then all of a sudden, our young college student athlete is going to be responsible for paying her deadbeat dad's estate. And can you imagine that? She you know, I'm not, not asking her to respond because she she's shy be and want to do that, but not very happy. But I was just giving an example because this happened to a man in Pennsylvania a few years ago. His mother, to whom he'd become estranged, ran up a bill for $100,000 in a nursing home. Nursing home sued him under these old laws that had not been resurrected for over 175 years. And voila, he owed $100,000 to the nursing home Absolute, under these laws. Unbelievable. Frightening. Unbelievable. We don't have that law. We here don't in have it here. Yeah, let's make sure we get that. I'll say yet. Maybe the legislatures <laughs> will get an idea. Oh, yeah. Bring back the Puritans. I guess these no. came out of the Puritan law area. Hey, folks, uh, we got a Super Bowl coming in. Seahawks on the sideline, but um, should be an exciting game. I'm not sure who you're going to root for or against, but it'll be fun no matter what. It's Super Bowl. We'll be back next week, folks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick. Event Info newsletters and Your Partner in Law podcast can all be found at yourpartnerinlaw.com. To schedule an appointment with Rick Gregorick, call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. For more information on the show or to sign up for a free Partner in Law event, visit yourpartnerinlaw.com. Tune in next Sunday morning at 9 to Your Partner in Law with your host, Rick Gregorick. Simulcast on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH.